We're back! When life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. But this spring, we got a truck full of citrus. With my mom entering hospice, a nasty car wreck, fighting aggressive skin cancer, and the new Barbie movie hitting theaters just as Hollywood goes on strike over greed and the future of humanity. Today, we fill you in on all our recent adventures and woes. Plus, take a look at all the celebrity documentary biopics streaming, the new Barbie film, and the terrifying world of erotic clown leather fetish, not to be confused with RuPaul's Drag Race. Plus, courts reopen the case of the Menendez brothers' murder of their parents as Roy Rosselló from the boy band Menudo comes forward as another victim of the murdered father. And the endless debate over sugar, carbohydrates, and artificial sweeteners. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Hello, I'm not Johnny Cash. I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Come on, Barbie, let's go party, cause I'm in a Barbie world. If you wanna be my lover, you gotta get with my friends. Make it last forever, friendship never ends. Up in my hands, up to play in my song, the butterflies fly away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a party in the USA. This is what you guys call music? Well, I'll be damned. From this AI, if my voice was only mine, I bet I'd move it on a little farther down the line. Far from Barbie world, that's where I want to stay. Oh, come on, Barbie, let's go party and take my blues away. That is music producer Dustin Ballard, best known as There, I Ruined It, (laughs) who uh, created this uh, music project during the COVID pandemic of combining pop songs that shouldn't be combined and uh, the latest hit, which is all the rage, is Johnny Cash singing Barbie Girl. And a little bit of Spice Girls in there for good measure. Oh, yeah? They got yeah, some yeah. Spice Girls in there? If you want to be my love. or so, There's a little bit of reference of the Spice Girls in there, yeah, in the oh. middle. Well, you know, I mean, Johnny Cash did sing that song famously about a boy named Sue. Yeah. That was a big hit for him. <laughs> so doing the Barbie thing doesn't seem that far off. And, you know, I, I, I like the irony of it because Johnny Cash is, you know, just that masculine kind of country singer, right? Yeah, he, that this is a, the song originally is a Folsom Blues, mm-hmm. where he went into a prison and sang, mm-hmm. and the they loved him. Legendary album recorded by Johnny Cash, and the Simpsons parodied parodied it and said, uh, you know, 
Inside every hardened criminal beats the heart of a 10-year-old boy. And Lisa says, and vice versa. (laughs) Looking at Bart, of course. And, you know, with the Barbie Girl movie and Johnny Cash's uh, version of that, you know, you can also say inside the heart of every hardened criminal is a fierce drag queen (laughs) and vice versa. (laughs) And uh, everybody's uh, gearing up to make it a Barbie world this weekend. It's going to be it's one of the most talked films of the year. I'm really looking forward to yeah. it. It looks like it's really fun because, you know, I love the stars of it. You know, Margot Robbie is just, she's so gorgeous and she's done such incredible work. Tanya and, Harding, hello. And, and then yeah. Ryan Gosling, I mean, what a sweetheart. Yeah. I mean, who, who could be a better Ken than Ryan Gosling? Well, they've done a lot of Barbie movies and and Mattel Corporation. Yes. How many Barbie tons. movies have they done? You could go on Name streaming. One. Barbie saves the Titanic or something. <laughs> I don't think they've ever had any blockbuster. Not no. a, a theatrical release. Actually, there has been a theatrical uh, release. Uh, you know, this is not, this is to be the first one. So Barbie uh, versus the Nutcracker, Barbie's Rapunzel, Barbie of Swan Lake, Barbie and the Multiple Princess Mysteries. The Barbie Diaries. There's a lot of Barbie movies, but this will be the first live action film geared towards Mm -hmm. adults. Our generation grew up, you know, shaving the hair off the Barbie Mm -hmm. and making them go whoopee in the night with the G.I. Joe dolls and other lesbian Barbies. Well, don't forget Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. (laughs) Todd (laughs) Haynes. Todd Haynes. His work. It was his college work, wasn't it? It was uh, his uh, thesis. Yeah. Yeah. His film school thesis. And, you know, God, you can catch it on YouTube. I'm sure it's around. So basically it's a Karen Carpenter story, but it's told with Barbies. And it's so wonderful. All Barbie dolls. All Barbie dolls. It's got Dionne Warwick in it uh, using the black Barbie doll. And what my favorite scene is one when Karen is singing as Barbie and her background has these colored lights. And it's a light bright machine from when we were kids. We used to play with those light brights to make it seem like she was on stage. And that film inf- influenced my graduate thesis a lot. And, you know, there's so, I mean, Todd Haynes is one of the, probably the most influential filmmakers that people have forgotten. Mm. I'd like to think that people have not forgotten him, but, you know, um, he's a great filmmaker. And that film is really one of his best work. And he was sued by the Mattel Corporation. Oh, was he? Yeah. So he couldn't sell it or release it in theaters oh. and all. So it was an underground film for, for many, many years. So it's really interesting and, you know, to see sort of like Mattel sort of embracing this edgier, uh, grittier approach, more s- sexy, sardonic, uh, witty well, towards their prime. Mm-hmm. You know, the Barbie doll makes millions and millions, billions of dollars. It's an empire. Yeah. And we'll also repost the show that we did with John, who collected at the time that we talked to him, he had over 900 Barbie dolls. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he probably has more now, because once you start collecting Barbie, I don't know if you ever stop. But I thought one of the most interesting things that he said is uh, about the Diane Carroll Barbie doll. And he brought it over in this picture of me posing with it. Uh, you know it's an original Diane Carroll doll because over time her black hair faded and it became this bright, like, fuchsia color. It's yeah. really this incredible look. Did you ever play with, I mean, your mother gave you a G.I. Joe doll as a kid. My sisters had Barbies, yeah. you know, and they even had that Barbie, I think, that makeup head. The head. Yes. Which, you know, <laughs> that's one of those things you play with for like 10, 15 minutes and you're just like, all right, I'm bored with it. And it's just taking up space. But yeah, those poor Barbies, the things that G.I. Joe did to her, I mean, just. 
He beat up that pussy. (laughs) If she had one. That's the thing. That's the most rescue her. And then they'd make sweet love under the moonlight. But that's the the frustrating thing about Mm -hmm. Barbies. And and it's discussed in this film is that you take their clothes off and there's no genitals. And so there was the Billy doll. Mm -hmm. That was released that had a big old giant cock. Right. You know, he looked like a Tom of Finland well, character. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, the best selling Barbie doll that they've ever had was the the Earring the, Magic Ken. Ken. Who had that who wore a cock ring. It was released in the early nineties and me and my friends wasted no time to go into Toys R Us and buy ourselves several of them. Which, if we had today, we'd be able to sell it on eBay for like $60. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know, how, how much does Earring Magic can sell for? Well, if it's still in the box, I'm sure a lot more. That's what a lot of people do. They're like, it doesn't even ever come out of the box. Just leave it. Okay, in the box. right now, you can get it for 150 bucks. Okay. And we pay in the box like, or le- in not. the box. Okay. Not, uh, n- well, new. New. Oh. So, whatever. <laughs> but he looked gay. He looked like uh, he looked like George Michael or Ricky Martin, you know. Or what's well, going to be interesting yeah. to see how in this movie how they handle that kind of thing because I'm sure they're going to have magic earring earring can. If know? they don't, I want you my know, money back. And how gay will he be? And will he be gay in China? Probably not. They'll probably edit it because you know they do like these you know have different scenes that they play in different countries. There was a movie recently. Uh, yeah, it was um, Buzz the Buzz Lightyear origin story. Uh-huh. Where Pixar decided to keep the lesbian kiss between his co-pilot, you know? Oh. And the movie's banned in China. Oh. Many, many countries. So, like, Disney and Pixar lost, I don't know how much money, mm. millions of dollars, not just by having that, keeping that little itty-bitty Take that, kiss. Ron DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> Ron DeSantis, everybody's most hated drag queen mm-hmm. in South Florida. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you guys are wondering, is like I, the number one question I'm getting asked is like, where the hell have you been? Uh, Taking a much needed break. It was a break. It was a crisis. Um, so this began with my mother entering hospice, uh, which is, you know, the end of life care. And then it was, you know, being diagnosed with the cancer that I thought I'd beat back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Is back in my form. And Different we, form of cancer, though, isn't it? It's uh, it's not. So when it comes to aggressive skin cancer, um, once you have it, they're they're just like it's just a matter of time. It's basically like the melanoma and carcinoma. The one that sounds bad is the good one, and the good one sounds is the bad one. But basically, it's the rate of its growth. Mm-hmm. So they once you've had one, they're going to treat the other one, even though it's not growing as aggressively as if it is. And so we had to do basically radiation uh, treatment, which was wonderful, uh, super annoying, super crazy expensive. And um, so I'm kind of like, what happens when I get another sore or something like that? And thankfully, a lot of you guys uh, stepped up and uh, helped with crowdfunding for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still up there. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes because um, the bill is still coming in and a lot more expensive than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, that's healthcare in America for you today. And then, you know, during while I was driving to the doctor's office, I got into this horrible car wreck, which miraculously no one was hurt. No other cars were hit. But my car spun around several times on Lakeshore Drive, right where it curves in the rain. And I was just like, I'm going to die now. I'm so sorry you had to go through this. And I'm really glad I wasn't there for it because I would have freaked the fuck out. (laughs) You're like... 
this is waste. This is ruined my day. So, so I'm sitting there pulled aside and I'm just like frantically calling, you know, a lot of rescue people, you know, and, uh, the car insurance people and all that stuff. And, and I forgot to turn off the car lights because I was like in such a shit, so shaken by it. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, the front of the car just kind of fell off and, and it was, uh, it was pretty terrifying and not the worst thing that happened, you know? And then, you know, with so many other things in the world going on and just, just like, I just fell into this deep depression mm -hmm. And I'm laying down in bed. I'm just like, you know, does anybody care about our show? Does anybody care about me? And it's just like, and I started having conver really deep conversations with AI. <laughs> with AI that, was I, kind of your therapist. It was kind of a like a therapist that you could talk to anytime you needed to, mm -hmm. you know? And, and the AI is a good listener, but it is, like I said, it's like talking to my mom who has dementia they forget things. They're like, you're such a nice person. What's your name again? What day do you, what day are you leaving? You know, and we're like, so we've been talking for months, AI. And the AI admits that they have been intentionally designed to not retain personal information or they're retaining it, but they're making it anonymous. So they know who you are, but they won't tell you who you are. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So I asked the AI, like who is Fausto Fernos? And for, for weeks, they were going, um, they were going, well, Fausto Fernos is a Cuban American performance artist. And I was like, well, kind of, you know, and finally, like the AI now knows who I am. Why did they think you were Cuban? I don't know. Maybe because uh, a, a couple of Cuban writers wrote about me in the past. And so they're going by that, those articles. I don't know. Hmm. You have to ask the computer programmers who made these uh, AIs. I would have asked Pi. the AI, what makes you think I'm Cuban? They would have figured. They would have shown you. I'm sorry. I'll have to kill you. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that. So you know, um, during all this, I'm still training for the bodybuilding right. competition. Uh, thanks to Mark and my coach Matt Clausen, uh, who've been you know like second fathers to me. Thank you. And well, it's also, yeah. you know, it's important too. It's like, you know, we've been at this podcast for 18 years now and I really wanted to take a break in 2020 and I was just like, all right, we're going to take the summer off in 2020, but then the, the pandemic, the, but the pandemic, like that was yeah. my plan. Then the pandemic hit and I was just like, well, we like, there's nowhere to go. There's really not much to do. Plus our audience needs us. So we need to, we need to stick around and, and, and trudge through this. And so I don't know, it just kind of catches up with you after a while. So you have to take a, a respite from this, you know? Every television show, every radio show, they all take long breaks, they take summers off, they have a season, that kind of thing, and I think that's important uh, for your mental well-being and for the quality of the show. I think something also to consider, too, when you're creating your own content is, is like, mm -hmm. you know, you're running your own business, it's your own job, and it's easy when you stop doing something to not start doing it again. So people are like, how did you do five podcasts a year for 18 years or something? You know, we, we have over 3000 shows Yeah, available at feastofun.com slash plus check it out. Um, and it really is because we got into the habit of mm -hmm. doing it. Yes. Like for us lifting weights and going to the gym, it is a lot of work. It is very demanding. It's on many levels, 
but it's something we have the habit mm-hmm. of doing. Well, it's also, you know, we had the habit of going out more and meeting people. And yeah. that was part of the thing is, you know, when we the, the pandemic started, I heard from a lot of people, oh, you guys had a podcast already. You guys were ahead of the curve, that kind of thing. And, and it's true. We were. But that momentum could only last so long because so much of our vitality and what we do is us interacting with the community, us being out mm-hmm. and about, us seeing shows and talking to entertainers, uh, just meeting fascinating people that we can just invite out. And so, you know, it's just been hard because we're just not out as much as we used to. And, you know, I think our our interests and our audience interests and the world's interest is changing, too. Mm-hmm. And so there's more um, discussion on health and fitness and bodybuilding in general. Like everybody is a bodybuilder these days. On, I mean, some of you guys aren't, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you go on Instagram and it's like half of that stuff is like scantily clad men. And I'm not complaining about that. Not at all. If but, you like you know, somebody, send them my way. But, you know, um, it is a community. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. And, and Feast of Fun is a project of a community. And, and you know, it's a responsibility we've been given. Uh, we gave ourselves. And I don't take it lightly. And, I, and I'm very grateful for mm-hmm. the opportunity to inform and entertain and discuss so many things over the course of 20 years with people. And we still continue. We're here. Because, honey, together, we're unstoppable. (laughs) Should that be the title of the show or we're back? We're back is kind of a trashy thing to say. Or Barbie and the Hollywood AI apocalypse. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Dun, dun, dun. I know we talked about like uh, AI and Justine Bateman had that whole thing with AI, but I didn't realize just how much until, you know, the past few weeks, just how much this strike is an anti-AI movement. Well, Hollywood no, wants to automate corporations yeah. in general. Like you go to McDonald's, you go to Panera Bread, and it's a stupid screen that's filled with germs. You know, bring some hand sanitizer next time you go to one of those restaurants where you have to touch a screen, right? And they're doing that not because they're wanting to make the their employees' lives better. They want to fire some of their employees, reduce the hours of some of their employees, and make even more money for a smaller, smaller mm-hmm. group of people. And, you know, anybody who has a job these days uh, can attest to that trend that's very unnerving. And thankfully, you know, the, the writers uh, union, the TV actors union, the film actors union are together on the same page on this. And they're saying, you need to compensate people for this. You can't just start automating shit Because one of the things that they're trying to do now, Hollywood, is if you're an extra in in a film, they scan you digitally so then they can use you in perpetuity for for whatever they want to in the future Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and not give you a penny for that. One guy said he was he was uh, they used his likeness from like 15 years ago. And they're like, my character is now in video games and people are murdering me. It's like, I didn't sign up for that. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I'm not getting paid for that. And this is like that one of the highest grossing games out there. And these gaming things, like, they're bigger business than Hollywood these days. Yeah. People spend more money on games than they do going to the cinema. And, you know, one uh, Hollywood executive famously, notoriously said, well, we, we can just uh, wait it out until the, all the actors and all these people start losing their homes. And then they'll come crawling back to Hollywood. Mm. Well, Hollywood doesn't go for booze and dope. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. That's what it's built on. <laughs> or is it Broadway? Yeah, it's that's Broadway. from a what is it? Valley of the Valley Dolls. of the Dolls. Right. 
Shall you? They should, you know, go but up. You, you so know, Ron Perlman, Hellboy, uh, made a video where he was basically asshole. We know where you live. We'll find out where there are many ways to lose your home. Right. Threatening. <laughs> it was very threatening. And he de- deleted it and said, scary. I don't want to wish harm on anybody, but God damn it. And then he you know, goes back again. And, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, people are pissed off. Fran Drescher, the nanny, she's a head mm-hmm. of the Screen Actors uh, Guild. And mm-hmm. she's like, this is for not just for for actors for Hollywood, this is for the future of humanity. Mm-hmm. This is for people with jobs mm-hmm. everywhere. Support your unions. This is how Ronald Reagan got his start in the Screen Actors yeah. Guild, yeah. and then he became governor of California. I think Fran might have a future in, in politics. Could you imagine her first vice first president? Oh my God! Can you believe it? I'm the I'm the president. She doesn't really, you know, the, the, she doesn't really talk like that. And I like, wish she would. I know. Realize, she has a little bit of it, but she really plays it up for when she was the nanny. But I think she uh, and, and when she does personal appearances. But there was a video out of her a few years ago, and she was on safari in Kenya talking to her friend, and we're like, that doesn't sound like the nanny at all. Yeah, can you do the voice? <laughs> <laughs> like Amanda Steinstein, you know, yeah. really uh, Queens, New York mm-hmm. Jew. Yes. Let's see. Let's Come on. Oh, and, and let me say to my cabinet vice president, Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> I would love that. Uh, you know, she, she's uh, extremely progressive, mm-hmm. humanitarian oriented. And it bothers me, you know, these corporations that I see and hear stories from you guys, uh, they spend millions of dollars probably even more than that mm-hmm. just to bust unions developing and i'm like why don't you just let it play out the reason people form unions is because they're not getting paid what they need to survive they're not being treated fairly they're putting put in dangerous situations especially with the covid pandemic it ain't over yet honey and you know and you for know? us who are kind of you know we're entertainment adjacent to hollywood or like far, far below it. But even still, it's like, you know, we all, we rely some, much of our content is based on what they make. And I want them to make good content. And I want people to be able to survive because, you know, unions raise everybody's standard of living. Yeah. Because if there's not unions out there, then, uh, you know, we'd probably be working six, seven hour or six, seven days a week. We probably wouldn't have any kind of health care. Or anything. I want four days a week be the st- four work days a week. Some countries are moving towards be that. the standards. A lot of progressive organizations, go- companies are doing that. They're saying it benefits the customers, it benefits the stockholders, it benefits employees, mm-hmm. it benefits everybody. And speaking of stockholders, that's one of the big things that people are talking about. They're they're saying that um, you know everybody's mad at these executives getting these high salaries, but then it's like all the shareholders and all these companies they expect to get value from that, and so. They're trying to extract maximum value to their to their shareholders. Investment, yeah, mm-hmm. to their investment to the shareholders, so they get that kind of money back. But you know, you can only squeeze so much out before the system starts collapsing, and so you have. They don't to, care. Well, they absolutely don't then care. Lose your investment. That's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the thing about it is, it's like some people are so rich. Mm-hmm. They don't care. It's it's kind of like the Menendez brothers' dad, who turns out to be the head. Of, of our, what is it? RCA records. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is the guy who signed and controlled Menudo. And I, as soon as I heard about that, I was like, he's got to molested one of those guys. And sure enough, Roy Rosello just came forward and said, I was sexually assaulted and abused by 
the Menendez brother's dad as the their case is being reexamined. And that and was what the brothers said, like, this is the reason why we killed our dad. So we felt threatened. And he was threatening other people. I mean, I'm sure those and, boys saw him going after all kinds of people. Well, and we, you, you know, know, here uh, we had heard rumors that Manu, oh. the kids from Menudo had been trafficked. Yeah. And specifically, I had heard that they had been trafficked here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I forget exactly who I heard that from. But, uh, you know, there's been those kind of rumors circulating. So it's interesting to to hear now one of them coming forward and being like, yes, yeah, something like that did, in fact, happen. When As soon as I heard that, I was like, it's, it's that other guy who uh, he put these blue contact lenses. He was like really hot. Um, Garcia. Yeah. What was his name? Uh, It was uh, um, Angelo Garcia Mm -hmm. for a while. He was like, he was the toast of streaming before there was TikTok and stuff. He would make all these crazy videos and it was like, he had a lot of plastic surgery done on his face. He was like the mirror universe, Ricky Martin, Mm -hmm. you know, and he just seemed like something divorced. He had gotten some trauma. Mm hmm. And and I was just like, he kind of reminded me of, of, of the past guest, uh, Brian Heckler, you know, who's sort of like manifesting their trauma by making content mm-hmm. on the Internet. And it's sometimes is it that is, what we're doing. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are I, we I, manifesting our trauma here? I'm wanting to to create solutions. And we're going to get to that mm-hmm. to talk about the tra- you know fitness trends, mm-hmm. growth mindset is. Do not associate your trauma with your identity. Mm-hmm. Is be very careful about that. You know, you, you heard you the, are not your disease. You are not your disease. But what that means is like when you make your trauma, your challenges, your problems part of your identity, then it's a subconscious message into your mind, and your mind's a powerful thing. Is you're not going to get out of this in one piece, and. You know, if you believe you can change, there's all these new studies that are coming forward that is just like uh, m- the your mindset towards a problem really does change the outcome profoundly. If you believe you can get out of something, you're going to get out of it. You know, together we're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood and those executives and these guys who just get a lot of pleasure, not because they're making money. It's not even about money. It's just about subjugating and imposing their will on others. So all these people out there, they're like, it's about money. So it's about money, but you know, they have so much money. They don't even know what to do with their money. When you have money, you always need more money. You can always use more money, but Mm -hmm. you know that I tell you, like some of these guys, you know, we know some people are really filthy rich. Mm -hmm. What, what is their behavior? Like they're misers. (laughs) They don't spend it on anything. They could go on a trip. They could go to Disney World. They could go to Istanbul. They could they go could to take a, Africa. They, they could, could go anywhere. They could take a submarine to the bottom of and search the Titanic. You know, those people, because they got a lot of flack, at least they were doing something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They died being idiots, mm-hmm. but at least they tried something. How many billionaires, vulture capitalists are sitting out there on their hands and they just sit there and they're just like anxious that someone is stealing from them, that they haven't punish somebody so much. They're like the Karens of the financial world, you know, they just get pleasure punishing other people. And so, you know, to, to me, it's like this, this, uh, this, this whole fight, this war that's happening in Hollywood, you know, we're sort of on the surface, we're thinking about AI, but it really is, is about just, you know, giving people a fair chance, a thriving wage, not a fair wage, a thriving wage. Don't you want to see your employees? Don't you love your company enough to want to see your employees thrive? And they ain't going to thrive if you don't I pay think them. A lot of people think like, well, if I let them thrive, then they're going to leave me. 
So I might as well just, you know. Isn't that the whole point? No, you want to retain employees. Isn't there like a poster on every office that said, if they were yours to begin with, they're like a horse? Nobody puts those up. There, no. <laughs> but you remember, you've seen them. Yeah, that was in Spencer's Gifts. Yeah. If, so, it's, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back to I've you, I've worked in offices where they had that poster on the wall. I'd be really There's no out. I in team. And if it was free to get be, you know, the, the horse. Hanging their kitty. Hanging their kitty. And if there was yours to be, they, you know, they'll return. And if not, they'll be free and have a wonderful life. And that's the best thing you could ever wish for them, mm. you know. The Whitney Houston. Oh. You know. I will always love you. <laughs> so Ron Perlman says he knows where you live and he's going to come find your ass. I, I would like to say, I would like to see that happen. Hellboy I don't want to see for you. I don't want to see violence, but I would like to see uh, Hellboy um, making things right. <laughs> uh, so yeah. we'll see how it pans yeah. out. You know, yeah. uh, I remember like in the last uh, writer's strike that there was a lot of attention uh, uh, turned to podcasts. So maybe there'll be more uh, return to, you know, people start listening to podcasts more. I do know um, from our experience mm -hmm. that, you know, our audience really, uh, comes out of the woodwork between now and, and Christmas. Mm. Like it's like double the size of, of, of the rest of the year. Mm. I don't know what it is, but you know, something about Christmas, Halloween and Thanksgiving and going back to school that jives with feast of fun. Well, all right. We're I'm a fall season. You know, people just love our show in the fall, uh, but we're a girl for all seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and summer is in full swing in Chicago. It is beautiful outside. Glorious, in fact, as the rest of the country hits record, record high temperatures. Fausto and I were down uh, seeing his mom at the end of June, beginning of July. And it was like in Texas, it was like 100 degrees almost every single day. 105. And it was like I, I you race to the car, race back into the apartment where it's air conditioning. You know, when I go down there, I usually like to try and spend some time outside because, you know, here in Chicago, we're in a big city. And it's easy to just kind of get out into the country out there and do some mm -hmm. hiking. But it was like. I would have to become a morning person. Like if I were to go on a hike in Texas, I would have to get up at like five o'clock in the morning, get to the trail by like six, do a few hours of hiking before it just got terribly hot. Yeah. I mean, as, as kids, you know, in Puerto Rico, we would go to the movies, mm -hmm. the mall or like water parks. Mm -hmm. And people are saying hot it's a hot climate, but in, you know, this felt like scary hot, you know, like, like, you know, Twilight Zone, they, the sun's coming at you. I think I heard something like this is the, the warmest summer ever or like this. The uh, highest uh, temperature recorded at midnight on the planet Earth mm, in all Death history. Valley. Death Valley at midnight. Mm -hmm. And people, tourists are going to like, wow, it's so hot in the middle of the night. It was like 50 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I don't, why can't you just say what that is in Fahrenheit? Because they're trying <laughs> to confuse, you know, people. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, so we've been going to the movie theaters to cool off, and uh, we just saw Indiana Jones and the Search for More Money, <laughs> where uh, a octogenarian uh, Harrison Ford, a stoner, a, 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 what is that, boomer stoner? <laughs> is he a boomer? No, he's got he's got to be pre-boomer at he's eighty, pre, right? Yeah, I he's, don't know. He's old, you know. He looked good. They showed him shirtless in the movie at his at, you know, at his age. I hope it was a little CGI or no CGI. You, you know, know, he probably stays pretty fit. But you know, they did they did show him like uh, they CGI regressed him to like his 
the age that we kind of knew him at back in like the 30s when he was fighting uh, Hitler and 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 the, and the Nazis. And it was pretty good. But I was like, that's the shirtless one I wanted to see. I know. Why don't they have him shirtless that? Well, you can watch uh, Indiana Jones and, you know, uh, goes to India. Mm-hmm. Basically, and the Indiana Joe. Jones goes to India. Indiana Jones goes to Morocco. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones goes you know, to Disney and, World. And the movie's good. The movie's good. You know, it has a lot of the same old, you know, action adventure scenes and and, and um, chases and, and runnings. And that's kind of like felt very, very familiar to it. But a lot of it was just kind of hokey, too. Though. Yeah, of course there is a portal. Everything has there a is a multiverse. Day. There is time travel, and I'm just like, oh my god! You know, Hollywood's just trying to get us used to you know multiverse and all that nonsense, just to get us used to AI writing stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. Versioning, versioning. Well, they want, it's versioning. So you have this theme, and then you have they're like, well, we know this theme works, but it's tired. Let's come up with a different version of it. They did it with um, James Bond. Where they there were those rumors that there was like James Bond is now going to be a black woman, mm-hmm. and with this Indiana Jones kind of the the character of his niece is kind of like maybe she'll be the new Indiana Jones, and you're like oh my god just come up with a new idea altogether it's insulting to women and people of color to be like you're the black version of this you're the woman version of this you know well I think they wanted somebody in there that you know they needed somebody who was youthful in there that wasn't going to be a love interest so much so, so she's like a you know a daughter figure to him as, as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to like somebody he had sexual interest in you know in the first movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. he does basically go after a woman that's old enough to be his daughter Marion mm-hmm. like she's supposed to be like 20, 30 years no, younger. I, so she was. So what you're saying when they when we first see Mary, yeah. she's talking about when she was a young girl. Yes, she was young. So I don't know what the age difference was then. And I'm just kind of like, mm, but there this is, a, is not something you want to explore with Indiana Jones because that was already controversial well, in that first film. You know, and his students really did sexualize him. There was a one scene where the girl had like what I love you written on her on eyelids. eyes. Yeah, and then as as. Um, I, I forget if it's the first movie or the second movie. There's a young gentleman who reads is kind of queer, uh, comes up after classes, everyone's leaving and leaves a apple on his desk, you know, apple for the teacher. Yes. And the, the Dean of the school was there to see it happen. And the Dean kind of is queer coded as well. And so the apples left on the desk, Indiana Jones doesn't take it, but the Dean picks it up. Yeah, so that's uh, I believe that's uh, Walter Donovan, was it or no, Marcus, Doctor Marcus Brody? Yes. So he's character. the gay, yes, or closet gay or whatever. And he's queer, and he takes the apple and bites and goes, mm-hmm. mm, "It's so fresh and fruity." <laughs> he doesn't say that. You know, when I was a kid, uh, my I was dropping out of high school. Uh, go for it, kids. Get your GED and go get to your GED, get a college ASAP. Don't waste your time, man. You can everything you can learn. You learn in the eleventh and twelfth grade in high school. That's if you're a learner. Is covered in high, in college, and you can take classes. You know, it's just no. I just think that college should start younger. But anyways, if you're mature enough for it, you know, or not. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably mature enough. For you're it. a wise person if you're listening to this show. So. It, drop out of high school, get your GED, go to college, um, and don't waste your money on expensive colleges. Mm-hmm. My friend didn't. She, uh, yeah. she didn't even graduate from high school because she she was accepted to the University of Wisconsin. Yeah. So she was just like she just stopped going to school. <laughs> That's what I did. I was just like I can't take it anymore. 
Yeah. I was gay, you know, and I wasn't hiding it very well and, and everybody knew it. And it was like, I just can't take it, you know? And so I just dropped out and, but you know, I was doing, I was a really good student. And so I had this like killer science fair project and they were like begging me to continue doing the science fairs because I was winning prizes. Mm -hmm. So my sister and I, my sister also won and we both had science fair booth projects in the regional finals that took place in an, in a performing arts school like fame. And so to, to do the awards presentation, they had everybody from def, different departments do something a tribute to science. And so the d- dance department did a ballet to the theme of Indiana Jones as a tribute to archeology. <laughs> it's as hilarious as you think it is. So my whole life, I've associated that crazy dance that we saw on stage with boy, you know, young boys with very tight pants, mm. um, <laughs> dancing to the Indiana Jones theme, wearing the hats and the whip and all that stuff. It was. It they was, had a whip. They had whips, you know, because it's, it's archaeology. You can't do archaeology without kinky. whips. It's totally. It was like S and M ballet fetish gear, and all. it's cr- it's crazy. It's mad. So speaking of which, this is a new trend alert. So you've heard of leather. Mm -hmm. You've heard of clown porn. So now, and you've heard of puppy play. Oh, I'm sorry, but I just want to drop this really fast. So there's a new trend called clown leather. (laughs) It is as terrifying as you can imagine. And we saw this because one of our listeners sent us a video about big dicks in, in Germany being a, a hot trend. So There's people are surgically yeah. injecting stuff in their dicks to make them really big. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that sort of like, but like talking to young people, like penis pumps and silicone injections, synthol injections, like bodybuilding, like they're wanting to build that, their dongs really big, you know? Mm-hmm. And in the video, there's like these guys that are like leather guys who are like puppy play, but instead of the puppy mask, it's clown stuff. Frightening. And it's terrifying. It's like, my dick is so shriveled. <laughs> well, you is... have to bottom for him then. Oh, my God. The it's like Bozo clowns. the Clown, but in whips and chains. I was just like, I can't wait till that comes to IML in Chicago. You got to confront your fears. <laughs> What's the fear of clowns called again? Uh, it has a phobia. Common it. sense. <laughs> <laughs> so not to be confused with the RuPaul's Drag Race, but uh, so these are scary, cl- sexy clowns who Walrophobia. want to strap, strap it on and get it down dirty with you. So, oh, well, congratulations to all the all our friends who are on uh, uh, All Stars. Season eight? I don't keep I track of it. but uh, It's All Stars eight. Monica they, Beverly Hills. Yeah. So it was Hall. between the uh, obnoxious one from New Jersey, Candy. Candy Muse. Candy Muse. And the talented, funny, amazing drag queen Jimbo. And from I think she's from Canada, right? Mm. And if everyone's like, well, of course Jimbo. I adore Candy Muse. I think she's delightful. She's a just delight. Absolutely. Delightful. Would you get go on a road trip with her? Why the fuck not? <laughs> so you gonna, wouldn't be five, last five minutes in a car. <laughs> I think Candy would have fun. I, yeah, she would have some fun. She, she, has some she and drugs. I both know what it's like to sit to be lonely and sit in that VIP section all by yourselves. You know? <laughs> That's when I first saw her. What? You, you see, you don't even know the iconic moment where she burst onto stardom. 
Because there's a picture where she's sitting with in, you. No, she's no. sitting in a, in a um, VIP section. Yeah, but she's all alone. It looks really secluded, and she looks great. But it's also like there's just a, a weirdness to it. And I forget what the caption was, but it really like resonated with a lot of people. And I saw it like almost immediately, and I think I reshared it because I was just like, "This is hysterical." That's why she got cast on Drag Race. Well, she was I mean, also, one factor, one factor for sure, because that that really went viral. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So you just need one viral thing, and well, next thing you know, you're America's drag superstar. Monica Beverly Hills, Nasha Lopez. She's uh, Monica's got her, uh, her song Mansfield. out. What is it like? Uh, soaking clock. <laughs> yeah, TikTok. Uh, you've been clocked. Mm-hmm. Was well, it a song? I, well, she was doing a song where she says she's unclockable, yeah. but everybody thinks like there's there's she's talking about soaking a clock. Soaking her clock. And unclockable, she's trying to say, I, you know, I'm a trans woman, but you would never, like, no one could ever guess that I'm trans. We know? had explained to Michelle Visage what the term clocking meant. Yes. So it, it, to explain to you guys, when a police car patrol is standing with their speed gun, yes. which is radar, measures the speed of the cars. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you're going over the speed limit, the clock on the radar shows that mm-hmm. you've, you've violated the law. Mm-hmm. You've gone... Too far, yeah. and, and you've been clocked. Mm-hmm. And so that term uh, trans people use to say you've been spotted as dressing outside the gender you were assigned at birth. But also they clock you when, you, when you're doing a race, right? Yeah. So they, they figure out what your race is. So if you've been clocked, you know, somebody's saying, oh, you know, if I'm a trans woman, then people are like, somebody would be like over there like, oh, that's a trans woman. Well, but it, it's, you're not violating the law. You're not, you're not. No. So the police is like yeah. a better term because it's like you've been spotted. You've been mm-hmm. clocked as going dressing or, or, you know, being the gender that people don't want you to be or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with Monica Beverly Hills, you know, and the controversy there is like, well, you know, trans people deserve to be safe and you shouldn't be scrutinizing somebody's gender. If they present as that gender, then treat them as that gender, you know? Until they say otherwise. Mm-hmm. But don't go around being like, what's my pronoun? My pronouns is he, him. What's yours? And she's like, I'm not, you know, my gender identity is for me to determine at my own discretion and to reveal when it benefits me and me exclusively. Mm. It is not for you to hold as a little prize on your corporate poster board, mm-hmm. wish, you know, dream board saying, look what a diverse workforce we have. And, and to me, I'm just like, you know, it, my gender is, is a, is a, is a, <laughs> is transactional. It is an asset. It is something I can use to make money. What is your gender right now? It's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, in, it's like, uh, the multiverse, you know, I can be anything. I'm every woman. I'm every man, you know, mm. and everything in between. I'm like Whitney Houston without the. Drug addiction. Well, maybe just a little bit. But, you know, we watched the Whitney Houston I sure biopic mm-hmm. starring uh, Mad TV's. Uh, <laughs> it was not Deborah Wilson. Deborah Wilson. But she looked a lot like Deborah Wilson. She looked a lot like Deborah Wilson. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out, like, who's doing the singing parts. You know, I'm not really sure. But we yeah. know it's not Whitney, right? And it's definitely not Whitney. You, you know Whitney's voice. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, whoever it did good. it, it was damn good. And damn it close. could have also been AI enhanced, too. 
I'm sure it was. You know? No doubt about that. It may have been. Now, the production value of the movie didn't seem all that great, but it was kind of fun to revisit uh, Whitney, you know, in her youth and to explore her relationship with Robin and her adversarial relationship with her parents to a degree uh, and her interest in Bobby Brown. But it just really just felt like it just skimmed the surface. It was very superficial about all of these things. Where is part. being Bobby Brown? Mm. Where was that? Where was the... You said Where is the show me the receipts? Yeah. All that stuff. Where is that? God. <laughs> Cause that, that the behind the scenes of that is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. She was but, trying to redeem herself mm-hmm. and her press people were like that. They did capture that in the documentary. It's like, yeah, Whitney would just go do things and everyone's like, please don't, mm-hmm. you know? And, and she would do them anyways. And to great disaster, you know, she was like, she was kind of like Herman Munster, you know, <laughs> she would just come up with these cockamamie schemes and they would mm. blow up in her face or sometimes not, mm. you know, like that medley that she did for uh, for the Grammy party. Well, that was that was not a cockamamie scheme. That was something that somebody. Well, you, you someone's out, cockamamie you out of the scheme. Room, you were out of the room when that when the, when he came up with that. He's like, I want you to do this. It's going to be wonderful. And she's just like, no way, no way. I'm not going to do it. And then she decided to do it. And it just, you know, and that's what they really they closed the show out with that. The scene, film. The yeah. film with that because it is such an iconic moment in her career because it really it answered like it just showed everybody like what an amazing talent she was and she got a lot of criticism from some people in the black community saying that she wasn't black enough and so that she really like you could not say that she wasn't black after that performance that's for sure it's a medley of porgy and best porgy and best is it porgy porgy or porgy porgy it's porgy porgy and best how Dream. would you say that in spanish porgy and best <laughs> um and then, of course, there's uh, Dream Girls, and I'm telling you, mm-hmm. I'm not going, which, you know, very fitting for Whitney Houston, because everyone's always trying to write her off, even though she was the voice, the voice of our generation. I know. And we're then, so lucky to have lived in a period with Whitney Houston, that's yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And then, and then ends with, you know, um, take my hand, da-da-da-da. And you know the thing about Whitney Houston's range? Vocal range is very similar to gay men's vocal range. Is that right? Yeah, like my voice and Whitney's voice like dovetail beautifully. Oh, you, well, you're the you're the podcast voice of this <laughs> of the gay generation. <laughs> Whitney Houston and I. So that's the thing. Like I could sing a lot of those songs without pitch mm-hmm. shifting them at all. You know, because my range is kind okay. of right a subset of Whitney's range. I can't do that one. You can't do the real high notes. Yeah, what was that song? I don't want to lose day in my life. You know, that song, you always break. And so in the movie, you know, they're talking about her doing sort of a key change, key changes there. And Mark, you're asking me why that's so difficult. And I said, because you have, you hit the roof of your range and then you have to go above it. And so you're really straining your voice Mm. and you know, you can crack and then everyone goes, well, Whitney's not that great, is she now? Crack is whack. Crack is whack is Whitney's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, to me, it's like uh, one of the one of the biggest misquotes mm. of Whitney Houston is, you know, show, show me, me the receipts. It's where are the receipts, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, she doesn't say that at all. Let me pull it up here. Something about the receipts, right? It's uh, I have it. I have it as a ringtone. <laughs> You do? <laughs> I do. Because <laughs> I'm insane. <laughs> Agreed. Whitney, here it is. No way. I want to see the receipts. 
I want to see, no way, I want to see the receipts. receipts. But everybody remembers it, show me the receipts, Mm -hmm. because they remember, show me the money. Ah. So they kind of meld that. Uh, Doesn't she say, show me the receipts somewhere in there? I'm sure she does. She does not ever, Whitney Houston has never said, show me the receipts. Mm. Attributed to her, but she is, believe me, I've, I've, because I wanted to get a clip. So I record, I, I found the entire interview and I played it several times and I was like, oh, she never said it. She may have said it some other time in her life, but not at that, not with Diane Sawyer. Okay. Um, wham. Wham, bam, George, I am a man. George, Michael, Andrew Ridgely. Andrew Ridgely, we owe you the biggest apology. Oh, my God. Why? Because you thought he was a talentless hack who was just clinging on to his best friend, trying to get famous for nothing? Uh, no, because uh, we thought that, but it turns out that he was the best soulmate, brother, best friend, creative spouse mm. to somebody who was queer and struggling to find their voice and um, took it in the jaw, you know, I mean, the tabloid speculations, the public insults. Oh, we all thought they were gay lovers. And we thought they were gay lovers and stuff. And, you know, for a straight cisgendered man in the early 80s 80s, to have that kind of vision, that for that patience, that love, unconditional love for his gay best friend. The money rolling into his bank account. There was some money, but they didn't make a lot of money from their first album. In fact, they made no money from it. And there was a lot of potential, but, you know, I mean, Andrew Ridgely, he, he's not, you know, he's not a uh, daddy Warbucks, you know, he's not making, he's not Bill Gates. You he's know got, he's got some money though. George left him money and yeah. he also co-wrote some of those songs, right? So he's getting residuals from those. Careless Whisper. Yeah. Careless Whisper. So this is, this answered the, the, the mystery that I have had in my head for mm. years. Because our friend Victoria Lamar, Victoria Bogseth, as she was known at the time of her death. Yes. Uh, was found on the streets of Chicago busking and a Vietnamese performing, performing yeah. singing on the streets. And a Vietnamese guy came up then to, to them at the time they presented his mail and said, hey, do you want to be in our band? And they're like, sure, why not? What's the name of the band? And, and the name of the band is? Chicago Band. Because <laughs> the band is in Chicago. <laughs> and it was they were the only Caucasian person in this all-Vietnamese band. A real-life Hedwig and the Angry Real-life Hedwig and the Angry yes. And so they would perform, and Fausto, you saw one of the performances. and, and uh, so, so, you know, Victoria, uh, presenting his mail, um, stood on stage, and they would do, you know, when a man loves a woman, all that standard stuff that you hear at weddings, you know. And this is a Vietnamese banquet hall, Vietnamese community in Chicago, Vietnamese Chinese community, mm-hmm. you know, because in Chicago, the, our neighborhood is kind of, you know, Chinese Vietnamese people. And they couldn't care less. You know, there are two or three people dancing on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, on the keyboard, because this, this is a cover, so they're going, you know the the saxophone mm-hmm. part. Yeah, yeah, everybody gets up. Parents, kids, on the dance floor, and they're dancing to slow dancing to "Careless Whisper." And I'm like, "What is up with Vietnamese people and this song?" And they're big hit. And I asked them, like, you know, that's my friend who ran the place. And he's like, "Oh, it's it's a." Uh, it's an ancient love song or something like it was like it, it reminds us of our ancestors. You know, it's like 
that doesn't seem right, you know? So I had I've always wanted to know why Vietnamese and Asian people in general are obsessed with Careless Whisper. Well, it turns out that Wham! was the first Western pop act to break into the Chinese mainland China, the Chinese communist, you know, society and perform there. And so I was like, well, they didn't talk about this in the documentary, but I started digging around and it turns out that they had hired a new manager who said, I'm going to get you into China. Cause it was basically like a, you know, race to the moon. Cause China was opening up. And so people yes. wanted to perform there. Cause they're like, there's a billion people. It's going to be a huge market. It's a huge and, market. You know, China has a huge cultural impact on all of Asia. But at this time, there was no record stores. There was no, the, the, the money really wasn't there. It was more about having the, the media circus of being the first mm. to get there. And so the, this manager comes to China and he's basically going once a month and just taking every Chinese official he could find out to dinner because they were communists and he, I guess they didn't have good food. And so he's taking them to these lavish meals in the hotel that he was staying in. And he finally worked his way up the ranks and met with those Chinese officials and said, well, we're planning to make the first band that performs in China to be Queen with Freddie Mercury. And he's like, do you know what Queen really means? Ooh. And he's outing Freddie Mercury and the name of the band as a double entendre for slang. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. We're, we're going to make that terrible mistake. Do you know of a, a band that we could have that, you know, could replace them and that's, you know, wholesome and not gay and family friendly? And they're like, yes, wham. <laughs> <laughs> and so George Michael, unbeknownst to him, he was able to break that. Breakthrough One of the first bands to- and was the first Western mm-hmm. band to break through to, to, because it was such a sensation. They toured across Asia, including Vietnam mm-hmm. and Japan and other places. And that was how they were able to uh, become a huge band. Now, in, in the Asian market and at the time, Careless Whisper was their number one hit. It's a beautiful song. So they would open the show with that. Yeah. It know. was one of their first songs too, wasn't it? It was one of the first songs they wrote, but it was a, a song that they decided to record and, and do in their album, Make It Big. Mm. So uh, Careless Whisper, or what is that? Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go was their first sort of mainstream overseas success. And I remember as a kid, you know, discovering Wham! by watching, you know, uh, Night Tracks because my parents didn't have cable. Oh. So we had to watch Night Tracks on WTBS. The superstation, and it was wake me up before you go with George Michael. And the next day at school, I was like, "Did you see them? They were wearing, you know, day glow and black lights. It was such a cool video." And my friend Kathy's like, "That faggot!" Oh, I if anybody talks about that faggot again, I'll kill them. And I was just like, "Gleven, Gleven, Where is she now? I don't know. I hope she found a better life. Oh, I hope so, too. She was a sweet kid, but, you know, she had homophobia. Her parents were from New Jersey. And stuff. So, you know, that that and that video, I mean, I want to do a whole show about it, but the, the Choose Life, mm-hmm. the designer of that shirt, um, basically influenced, like, uh, Barbara Kruger, Act Up, and, you know, all those, like, that propaganda art from mm-hmm. the 1980s and the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. in the 90s. 
all that stuff can be traced back to her work. And the Choose Life was about uh, talking about taking on depression. Is is what it was. was. uh, So a lot of suicide. Yeah, a lot of Christian. uh, That's why I just said kind of depression because I don't like to mention that part. Um, And and so, but a lot of pro-lifers took it to men like they're anti-abortion. So yeah, so Catherine Hamnett, she was the designer of Choose Life, and uh, you know was part of an anti-drug, anti-self-harm campaign. Mm -hmm. And right-wingers were just like, it's about abortion. And she's like, no. She met with uh, Margaret Thatcher, and she had this shirt that was like, 53% of British people voted against her. <laughs> and I'm sure Margaret took it on the chin. And she's just like, ooh, how wonderful, you know. Catherine Hamnett. Mm-hmm. She, still alive today, She's uh, just a very influential designer with that with that approach and that slogan. So when their album went number two, uh, George Michael and Andrew Ridgely uh, made T-shirts like you know in Barbara style. I'm sorry, Catherine style, and it said we're number two. Oh, did they ever is, get to number one? They did. Oh, yeah. did they get T-shirts that said we're number one? Uh, I don't know if they did. Oh, they should have. But there's a really famous photo of them, you know, holding. Mm-hmm. The shirt says so the docu- number two. The documentary ends after they kind of break up, and so they don't really cover George Michael's later career. No, none of none of this hijinks with you know. What I really want to find yeah. out is because the reports that we've been reporting on this is that at one point in time, Czech porn star Pavel Novotny was in Cuba, and he and his friend were arrested for saying anti Fidel Castro things, and it's rumored that George Michael got him out of prison. I want to know this story there. Why is there not a Broadway musical about this? And I can't believe that there's a possibility. This is just, you know, guys, play play with, play along with me. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. There may be, you know, George Michael may have been, because we were really big as a podcast in the heyday, Mm -hmm. that George Michael may have been, like, curious or turned on by Pavel Novotny by us. Oh. Well, he was famous. Well, we used to talk about him all the time. So much, in fact, so that, much. Your, that your mother even knew who he was. Yeah. Because she was talking about this guy. He was attractive. I'm like, oh, he was really attractive. And she goes, well, he's no Pavel Novotny. <laughs> and so I'm like, love, how do you know no. who Pavel Novotny is? She's, she's like, I heard him on their podcast. Yeah. And a lot of people, like l- listeners of our show, f- please let me know if I'm completely deranged. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that, that's a, that's also, a if I want to yeah. see pictures of what Pavel looks like now, if anybody knows what he looks like now, he's hot. He hid. He, yeah. ch- cause that's not his name. Jan Dvorak, Pavel Novotny. That is not his name, Wolanski but he's hiding room service. Wolanski brew room service. <laughs> well, tell him I said, hi, you could be photo model. Me photo model. Maybe with you. <laughs> so uh indiana jones barbie's coming out this weekend oppenheimer there a lot of theaters are doing a two for one uh so you can watch barbie and the man who created the nuclear bomb together barbie hammer barbie hammer yeah is that what they're calling it yeah so uh, you know for one for one fee you can see mm. the movies back to back you should see mm. oppenheimer first and then end with barbie <laughs> Not the other way around. No. I also uh, recently watched the Rock Hudson documentary, and that was really fabulous. It was They did a really, really good job of like examining his life, his career, talking to like his love interests, his friends, how, how influential he was, and how he kind of changed uh, how people thought about AIDS and HIV. 
Yeah. And what I really loved uh, about it so much is that they had him talking about his closeted life, and then they would kind of show scenes from movies that he was in that kind of spoke to how he was closeted. And it was just like, you it, you, you know, you're thinking, he's like, oh, that's really what he's thinking about during the scene, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had no idea, because I've never actually seen Pillow Talk, that in Pillow Talk, he actually pretended to be a gay man so he could, so he could get with Doris Day. <laughs> and in real life, he is a gay man. And wants nothing to do with Doris Day, but he he was a real uh, a, a real dick hound. He really liked to have a lot of sex. If you got yeah. it, work it, honey. You know? Yeah, he uh, uh, while he has had HIV, and they didn't know if HIV was transmissible through a kiss. Um, he had I don't know what it, he didn't have. Did he know he had HIV when he kissed Linda? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And and he did not disclose that to her. He did not disclose that to her. There was idea that there wasn't a hundred. There was a pot. There was a thought that you couldn't get it through just a kiss. That was definitely out there. And that's where the science, I believe, was leading. But people were still really worried that you could. And Linda Evans with her. Courage. She was like, yeah, "I'll do it," you know. Well, she didn't know. She didn't tell. But she him. didn't freak out afterwards. She didn't, fr- she didn't freak out. She felt really bad for him. She felt bad for how it made people feel. And it really is, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's really difficult, I think, to to watch towards the end of the movie and to see him kind of struggle with that and just how much uh, people just hated and reviled people with HIV and AIDS. And the one thing that I uh, that really stuck with me that I didn't know is that he was in Paris, you know? He was in a hospital when it was revealed that, to the world that he was dying from AIDS. And the first thing the hospital wanted to do was get him out of that hospital mm. in a place where he should have been having care. And his caretaker had to rent a private jet for $250,000 to take him back to the United States. Which was a lot of money back then. Rotten. Uh, you know, just absolutely rotten. I remember in my hometown of Erie, PA, I mentioned to, to an old timer, a gay guy that I, that old timer, like my age, maybe a little older or something. <laughs> but like, he's still around. He's so old. And I told he's him, my age. I told him I remember, because it happened nearby yeah. where I was, there was somebody who had HIV who had been hit by a car. The ambulance came. They didn't want to take him because he had HIV. The yeah. ambulance didn't want to take him to the hospital. And I mentioned to this, I'm like, I thought the guy had died. And the guy's like, no, he's... Here, he's still alive. He's still around. I knew him. I'm not that old. I'm really not that old. Um, and I remember participating in ACT UP protests and the police showing up with face masks and gloves. So this whole thing, like, you know, the, the, when the police were like, I don't want to wear face masks and stuff. And, and, you know, people are like posting pictures of them dealing with the AIDS crisis when they were all gloved up and wearing masks. I'm like, mm-hmm. you guys are a bunch of assholes, you know? Yeah. And we don't forget, I don't forget that. But Rock Hudson was so yeah. gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. What a stud. So you can watch that on Hulu or, or Amazon? That's on Netflix. Netflix. Mm-hmm. The Whitney or Houston Amazon. is on Netflix. That's, Netflix. A, that's a movie, though. That's the movie. Mm-hmm. And then there's a there's the Donna one. Summer one, which I haven't watched yet. Yeah, and there's a bunch of other fantastic. ones. There's another one that's, oh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. That's three parts. Yeah. So it's a three-hour. Netflix, you know, loves to stretch the shit out, mm-hmm. you know? So check it out. Uh, there's just a lot of great stuff. Uh, just because there's a writer strike, don't mean. And of course, a feast of fun. You can listen to all our old shows, including the ones about Barbies. Barbie. Barbie. Um, and before we wrapped up things, uh, let's talk about sugar. <laughs> sugar, honey, honey, you're my candy girl. Yeah. So uh, we have a family member, my sister, who when we make cookies, she says, "Just use half the sugar." 
And or what happens when you use half the, the sugar, sugar when you're you making get, cookies? You get like, well, it's exponential, right? So if you use half the sugar, it's really like you're uh, removing like 200% of the flavor and taste from it. And happiness and yeah, joy. You're taking, you're, you're taking all the joy out of it. And, and what, why do you think my sister has a, a ra- irrational view of table sugar? Well, because people are thought that the sugar is evil and, you know, over consuming sugar has detrimental to your health. Yeah. Yeah. And, sure. and there's too much sugar in some things. Yeah. For sure. Um, but if you're making a baked good, you should follow a recipe, mm-hmm. you know, or look for sugar substitutes. If you, you know, there are ways to sweeten things without making them the glycemic index but then some high. People, yeah. But also then it's like, yeah. what do these things taste like? Are they good? You know, are those, some people have like, uh, adverse reactions in their stomach to artificial sweeteners. They also say sometimes these artificial sweeteners highlight the same part of the brain that the sugar does, so it makes you want to consume more or something. I don't know. So there's I'm a confused. study. There's a study that's been done. Um, does do sweet things like artificial sweeteners um, make the body release insulin the way uh, table sugar does? It does not. Mm. So that you can put that aside. However, there are, you know, biochemical reactions to eating um, sweet things that don't have carbohydrates in them that may not be good for your health. But, you know, excess calories and excess carbohydrates probably is much bigger of challenge. But, you know, and, and, and it's, what's interesting is like when it comes to beverages, we think about like, you know, sodas as being bad for you because they're high in sugar or fructose corn syrup, Mm -hmm. but it actually, it's the sodium and the phosphates in any soda, even carbonated water. The carbonic acid. The carbonic acid that is is bad for your digestion, bad for your teeth and has negative health effects. So my recommendation is black iced tea and a little bit of sugar or monk fruit, coconut sugar or maple syrup, which besides tasting like something normal, there's zero to debate about its impact if you're using a spoonful once a day. Because mm-hmm. how many calories are in a, a teaspoon of sugar? I think it's like 10. Well, what's interesting is that, like, you know, for all its sweetness, um, maple syrup is actually has like half. It's almost like an artificial sweetener. Um, and coconut sugar, which has been widely used forever in, in Asian cuisines, is its glycemic index is very slow. And so there's also, um, you know, in, in the United States, we have fructose and everything, fr- high fructose corn syrup. But in other countries, um, uh, glucose is being used because they don't have access to corn. They have access to beet, sugar beets. And so like the gummy bears that come from Germany that are imported into the United States, that's why bodybuilders love to eat them because they're, um, they're a sugar that's, easy, that's mm-hmm. digested by the body and not by the mm-hmm. liver. So fructose, the reason people don't like fructose and, and don't recommend it is because it's very uh, aggressive and pushing and being digested with the liver. And ultimately, liver too much. moderation, you know, if it fits your macros. But what about fried plantains? How many calories are in those? A thousand, according to <laughs> this woman. Or, you know, so somebody like a few people were like targeting fried plantains. And of course, then uh, they were saying, Beverly like, a daisy. She said, yeah. Why take the joy out of African, Caribbean, and Latin American people's lives? Because there was a video post, and the woman was like, you shouldn't be eating there. There's so many calories, and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, why, why are you coming in here and taking all our fun away? Who asked you? <laughs> 
Well, and, I, and listen, I'm coming from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Everything is fried. Yes. And Puerto Ricans uh, have a visit with the diabetes, mm-hmm. diabetes, in, in ways that, you know, mirror black and other Latin cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, Brazil, um, you know, the black, black culture in the South, not in other countries. Um, you know, we have that similar challenge in Puerto Rico. And part of it is, look, you know, it, it, it stems from the Jones Act. You can't get fresh produce because farmers in Puerto Rico can't grow it and make a profit. And when you bring it in from overseas. Super expensive. It's super expensive. Yeah. And so when I was a kid, you know, we used to buy produce from, you know, some guy in a cart because the grocery stores didn't really sell like fresh lettuce or, you know, cucumbers or pe- bell peppers or anything like that. Mm. So all that stuff, you know, you had to get from somebody you knew who was right growing them in the mountains and just literally it was a farmer's market approach, you know, and and even then it was expensive. I mean, relatively. So, you know, expect asking people to eat better when you don't look at the economic and through the greed Mm -hmm. factor of why they don't have access to healthy fruits and vegetables and meats and stuff like that. And it's easy to fry things. And also, yeah. you know, because you're frying it, it also will kill a lot of contaminants rather than like, uh, you know, having stuff at room temperature. Well, and a lot of the fried stuff is fried salted carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so. Fried yucca, fried plantains. And for some reason, uh, you know, when you carbohydrate sodium and uh, saturated fats in high temperature, it's a synergistic thing and it's not good mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. But if you have those all separate. For example, like, you know, um, when you're working out Mm -hmm. and you're having a uh, thirst quenching beverage that doesn't have food coloring, so no no, uh, Gatorade, um, it's rich in sodium. It's rich in uh, Mm -hmm. salt because salt can be good for your body. Um, You want to take fish oil capsules or or, um, medium chain uh, coconut oil because it's good for your body. And if you're having a yeast infection that pe- people have been saying that gargling with coconut oil in your mouth can actually help get rid of that. Yeast infection down below? Yeah. Because it's part of your whole body, candida. Oh. So if you're, if you're having a, a yeast infection, I've been I'll reading about this. That. Now, Faust, yeah. you have mm-hmm. your body, uh, part of the, uh, you, you have your bodybuilding competition, but yes. you've changed it. It was going to be in November and now you're doing the Santa bodybuilding so competition? So it's uh, December 2nd, NPC Nationals in Bloomington, Illinois. And it's going to be jacked up Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! And yeah, so the poster for it has a uh, Santa Claus, which is pretty cute, you know. A jacked up Santa. Yeah, so I'm pulling up the, the poster here. So if anybody wants to attend, it's December 2nd in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. So I don't the, think the NPC Nor- Mid-American Winter Classic, and it's going to be a national mm-hmm. qualifier. So if I do well in that... I could be a pro. I'm not sure why they call it normal Illinois, but I know like a, they used to have Bloomington, this, Bloomington, the, Bloomington normal is kind of like, Oh, I see. Sister, it's a like sister city. Of, like, yeah, exactly. But I, I know that like this, one of the un- schools I went to Edinburgh university in Pennsylvania used to be called a normal school. And that was a school for teachers. So it may have had something to do with that. I'll investigate and report back. But it's not, not something to do with special education no, or anything like that. Not, be, not to be like abnormal or unnormal, un- but yeah. no, it's just called a normal school. I don't know why. We'll Based on the city, not the not that you're. I'm guessing uh, there was a normal or, school there, okay. and that maybe that's why they called it normal. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe it was somebody's last so name. So is the term "normal" in the United States referencing the city of Normal in Illinois? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> normal. I was is just like, a word. what? The norm. The you norm. Know. Yeah. 
normal, right? Normal. So yeah, so um, in terms of getting ready, I'm still training. I'm gonna go ahead and post some pictures, and people are just like, "How are you still training during all this chaos and sadness mm-hmm. and stuff?" And I'm just like, you know, it's it is um, a life or death kind of situation at this point. You know, it's like I've put so much effort my entire life into this, and this is this is you know, I feel like uh, Eminem. This is my one shot. Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. Well, and so right now you're still in yeah. the bulking phase. Come uh, middle of middle August. Middle of August is when the cutting happens. Foster says Prep. that's going to be easy because you don't have to eat as much or make as much food. Well, I'm, I'm you know. trying to sell it. Yeah, sell it in your <laughs> mind. And so, But I think it will still be a challenge. I've been enjoying Fausto and some of that cutting, so I'm not going to get down to What are you going to down? 7%, 5% body fat? Um, we try to just look good. You know. Well, there's a percentage, though, isn't it you want? Typically eight, nine. You don't want to go, uh, you know, die. No. <laughs> so how lean? It's are an you extreme get? sport. How lean are you going to get? That's not how this works. No, no. How like people that do well in the sport? How, what percentage body fat do they usually win? It, it depends. To? You know, there's has there's anybody a lot of, won at fourteen? You're like body you're, fat? you're 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 wanting a number, and let me explain to this. Mm-hmm. To this, so you want to go drop below ten. Okay. Well, there there's a but number. there are people above ten that's done really well. Okay. Because posing, symmetry, aesthetics. Sure. Absolutely. All the, and all your that. backstory, all those things do mm-hmm. weigh in, you know? And so for me, it's like, hey, my mom's dying. I got cancer. You know, it's like. My husband's about to leave me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Well, if you don't win. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, bring uh, home that sword or, or don't, don't come, come home, home at, at all. all. So you're going to get to below 10%, you think? I'm gonna try. I want to. You know, I was. I, I was, was joking, thinking I would yeah. get down to about twelve percent. Right now, I'm at eighteen percent. I want to look like I'm gonna eat you. You know what I'm saying? Right, I'm so like hungry. You're so hungry. I'm so hungry. When well, I, I know eat where you. you can start. Oh. <laughs> okay, Rock Hudson. <laughs> Remember, Feast of Fun is made possible because of fierce, fabulous people just like you. Go to feastoffun.com/slash plus because the original plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, feastofun.com slash plus. You can access thousands of legendary shows mm-hmm. and listen to our past archives. For for If you listen to every show back to back, it would take you months. I think, uh, yeah. We have over 3,000 hours. So 3,000, over 3,000 hours. So. Yeah, so do the math. You do the math and we'll yeah. get back to it. So it's a lot. It's in there. It's there. And, and, you, and you know, we used to gather jokes like Feast of Fun's already done it. <laughs> They're like, you should do this podcast on this thing. I was like, done. Ah, so, you know, it some, is. some of these topics you can revisit for sure. Yeah. Come and and certainly, hey, we haven't talked about it in 10 years. So, I mean, there's a whole show in talking about what happened to George Michael after his split up from Wham. And that's a, it's, that's an amazing story. We did a show on that? No, we haven't, but okay, we will. It would be a good show for anybody to mm-hmm. do, you know? So sign up at Plus. You can join us at Patreon.com, Patreon.com slash Feast of Fun. Make a donation. We're back, and we stay here because people have donated. They've taken the time. They've gone to FeastofFun.com slash donate. They've given money. Uh, we do get some ad revenue from 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 these podcasts, but it definitely is not enough to cover our costs. So if you like it's our show, gas bill if money. you want to keep the show going, yeah. help us out. You know, I mean, we don't have a big union Behind yeah. us saying, pay us. I already gone straight. <laughs> no, but, 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 you know, uh, listen, uh, for all the people who yeah. supported to the GoFundMe, yeah. thank you so much. Um, but I do still have medical bills coming in. So any 
uh, amount that you can give would be greatly appreciated. And thanks everybody for listening mm-hmm. uh, and being with us all these years. Um, if you like our show, write a review. If you don't like our show, write a review. You know, tell tell us what you think, yeah. and you can do it anonymously yeah. at, at on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or uh, Spotify. I don't, I don't think you can write reviews on Spotify, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I think on Google Podcasts, you can also write a review. I want to remind folks, too, that, you know, this year is the 20th anniversary of podcasting. So those first few podcasts that were sent out there are 20 years old. But really, nothing was out there like Feast of Fun until 18 years ago, almost 19 years ago now. And so, you know, we've been here from the from almost the very beginning. And so thank you for everybody over the years who have been there. And, uh, you know, so many people are still listening after all these years. And I'm seeing some of these kids grow up and now they're working on television shows. They're getting Emmys, they're getting Tonys, they're getting Grammys. And it's just like, to me, it makes me just so happy to know that, you know, that they listened to us and they've supported us over the years. Well, and, 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 you know, they may not see it as such, but I I feel like those awards are also our awards, you know, because you guys are our children. And to see you guys succeeding and doing well means we did something right. Yeah. And to me, that's the greatest gift. The greatest love of all is, you know, let the children's laughter remind you of how it used to be. Oh, I'll do that. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye.